Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. In this edition, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do QAnon. I mean, whoops, excuse me. We're going to do Q&A, questions and answers. So this is pretty straightforward. We're just going to take some different questions and then I'm going to answer the questions. So to find out more about solar and energy storage, go to solarsean.com. And there you can find out also about my online on-demand heat spring classes, where I pretty much average over nine out of 10 as far as good marks go. I put a lot of time into those classes. For every 15 minutes of material, I put eight hours into it. Plus it's on demand. So that means you can complete the classes in a week, in a year, or anything in between. In fact, if you go over a year, there's even ways to extend it. And the best part is you learn a lot while you're having fun. My NABCEP PV Associate exam pass rate for my PV bootcamp on HeatSpring is 98%. So if you don't have that NABCEP Associate yet, might as well get it. Let's go. Okay, and the first question is from a solar installer named Dave. And his question is, I have a question concerning the NABCEP PV installation professional test. We call that the PVIP. It looks like the test uses the 2017 National Electrical Code book. Can I take the 2020 NEC with me to the test instead? The reason that I want to do this is because it's easier to use the 2020 NEC because I am more familiar with this. And the answer to your question is correct. NABCEP right now is using the 2017 National Electrical Code until sometime in 2022. At least that's what they say. Last year, they said they were going to make the switch in 2021. Traditionally, they made the switch exactly one year after the NEC came out. So that means that they're changing things. They're switching things around as far as which version of the code that they're going to be on. In fact, they have pushed back the adoption of the 2020 NEC so far that it's possible that maybe the 2023 NEC will be out because it comes out at the end of 2022. So it's possible that the 2023 NEC will be out before NAPSEP even adopts the 2020 NEC, which is sort of like what a lot of places do, like California. They adopt the NEC three years after it comes out. That gives people time to study and understand the National Electrical Code. In fact, there are some states that will even skip a version of the NEC for their electrician exams just because it costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time to come up with exam questions. Could it be possible that NAPSEP's going to do that? Could they ever switch from 2017 to 2023? It's never happened before. And by the way, I was talking to somebody else recently in one of my classes, and they said that when they took a NAPSEP certification exam recently, that they used the 2020 NEC handbook, which they're not supposed to do, but they did it anyway and it worked. And this person also said that it took them three hours to get properly logged on. So just be careful. You're going to sit for a four hour exam and if they added three hours to that, you could very well starve to death. And it's not good to take an APSEP exam while you are starving to death. Not a good day to do intermittent fasting. That's because we want all of that sugar in our brain. And when I say sugar, that could be other things that get converted to sugars like proteins and fats. Anyway, enough biochemistry for now. Let's get back to the National Electrical Code. One more thing about the NEC and NABCEP exams is, you know what? It really doesn't matter that much. NABCEP says you can use any version of the NEC codebook. All you can do is mark it with highlighters. You're not supposed to use tabs. You're not supposed to use pencils in there or pens. 
or any kind of writing in your code book. In fact, NABCEP even gives you a digital version of the NEC that you can use. However, that digital version of the NEC is very hard to navigate, very hard to search, sometimes hard to squint at, a little bit hard to see. So most people want to just bring in their own NEC codebook. Now, personally, I could probably take the NABCEP exam with the 2005 National Electrical Code and still pass it, but hey, I'm the one teaching these classes. I better be able to pass it even without a National Electrical Codebook. But you know what? I would think that most people that pass the exam also would be able to pass it using the 2005 National Electrical Code because you know what? It's mostly the same. There's just a few differences. And contrary to popular opinion, NABCEP is not out there trying to trick people on the latest version of the National Electrical Code. There's a few changes here and there. If you use a different version of the National Electrical Code, you might miss zero to two questions by using the wrong version of the National Electrical Code. So most people would pass the exam using the wrong version of the National Electrical Code because the National Electrical Code is mostly the same. People always talk about the changes because what else are you going to talk about when a new version of the NEC comes out? You talk about the changes because everybody knows all the older stuff or they want to hopefully know about all the older stuff. And most of the changes too in the National Electrical Code are not big changes. They're changes in organization and wording, but they're not changes in what you're supposed to do. Okay, on to the next question. Okay, this question is from Michael. And his question is, is the trend of larger, higher wattage modules significantly impacting the standard safety equipment or procedures during PV installations or maintenance? So, answer to your question is, not really. For residential solar, it is still the trend to use modules of the same size, which is 60 cells or approximately 39 inches by 5.5 feet. And this does not change much in the last 12 years. The smaller PV fits into the smaller spaces available on a residential roof, and it is easier to handle on a sloped roof. We are seeing some larger modules for commercial and utility scale applications, but falling is not really a problem as much when installing on a huge field or a huge flat roof. A lot of the increase in module power is an increase in efficiency. So a 250 watt module 10 years ago now is a 300 watt module today without changing the size. We are just having gradual increases in efficiency over the years for your average module as the manufacturing processes get better. You could argue that maintaining a 5 kilowatt system is less dangerous today since it would be smaller. However, people tend to be getting bigger systems. So instead of getting a 5 kilowatt system, someone might get a 10 kilowatt system, which would be bigger. I was at Bill Brooks's house recently, and he has about a 35 kilowatt system on his house. And he heats his pool with PV and overproduces enough to let me charge my car anytime. The voltage and current of a module has gone up slightly to get higher efficiency. However, with rapid shutdown requirements of the 2017 National Electrical Code and after the module level power electronics, the safety is better than your average system 10 years ago, and nobody is going to get shocked on a roof installing module level power electronics. PV systems on the ground will let your voltage go up to 1500 volts rather than the 600 volts of 10 years ago. But that is not related to how powerful the PV is, but it is related to how many you can put in series. So thanks for that question and on to another one. And here we have a question from Stephanie and she wants to know what happens when solar equipment manufacturers go out of business. 
And here's the question. Working in the solar industry, I've seen a lot of inverter and module manufacturers stop making the products that we've designed with. I know some companies plan ahead and continue to make parts or have other solutions to ensure the obsolete equipment will be able to be serviced. But what happens if a company quits making the product or goes out of business and you have a failure and need to replace or repair the equipment? So Stephanie, this is a big problem and has happened many times. SATCON inverters used to be everywhere and then they went out of business. The warranties were no longer good, but then there became other new companies that you could hire to fix these inverters that are still around. And one of these companies, they bought the SATCON name. Isn't that funny? It used to be popular to use central inverters on a concrete pad on the ground for commercial rooftops and now when the inverter needs replacement the systems are often getting rewired to work with string inverters on the roof so it's an extra expense this is also one reason that it is a good idea to look for a company that is likely to still be in business 15 years from now so probably a company that has a good reputation for a while is what you're looking for another thing that you can figure is some applications are more universal you can replace many string inverters with another brand of a string inverter an ac coupled system is probably going to be easier to replace with different brands of equipment than a dc coupled system Enphase and Solar Edge are the most popular rooftop solutions in the U.S. right now, but if for some unforeseen reason one of them went out of business, you're probably not going to find any product that can go on a Solar Edge system that is made by someone else. It may be easier to swap one brand of microinverter with another, however the monitoring and interaction with the energy storage is probably not going to work. You just never know who's going to go bankrupt. Hopefully it's not me. But for buying PV modules, you can replace one brand with another more easily unless you are using an unusual PV module. Some PV module warranties are insured, so if the manufacturer does go out of business, you are still covered. However, it still would be a hassle, probably not worth going through the warranty process paperwork to replace just one module. You might be up against a module manufacturer's legal team. Wouldn't that be fun? Go to court just for one module? I know personally myself, I installed some sharp modules a long time ago. They were broken out of the box and it was the biggest hassle ever. It was cheaper to just spend a thousand dollars because they used to be more expensive to replace the module than it was to deal with that nightmare of a headache of a process. And I'm also saying that too because sharp they're no longer manufacturing PV, so we can talk that way about them without worrying about having somebody come after me. Uh-oh, I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay, I don't see anybody. Okay, so that was a good couple of questions. Let's do that again. I like that. That was kind of fun. So thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To find out more about solar, solar energy, classes, flashcards, expanding your brain in the renewable energy business, go to solarsean.com.